Good evening. May we read in Psalm 10, 18. Psalm 18. We read verse 30. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of Jehovah is tried. He is a shield to all that trust in him. As for God, his way is perfect. And this is something we, we accept by faith. This is something that we received. The word of God says it. It says that the way of the Lord is perfect. But very interestingly, this is also something that we practically fail to walk in, in our daily decisions, in our daily doings. Of time, we have ideas about things we should do. We have our opinion about decisions we should take. And we do not always go to the Lord to ask him what is his way for us in our life. And when we reflect sometime, as we grow older at least, to decisions we made in the past. Sometimes the memories that come back are not always positive. I've done this, I've done that. Oh yeah, this decision was certainly not the best in the world. And we realize that our ways, plural, are far from being perfect. But there's something beautiful with our God. His way is perfect. And His way is always perfect also with us. He does not change. He is always the same. And wherever, and it's not an open door to, to whatever we want, but wherever we go, he still takes care of us, moment by moment. And he will make sure to put us back on his way and to present us to himself perfect in front of Christ. And as we have seen in the middle song, he started the work in us, he will finish this work in us also. I would like to take a few examples in the word of God of persons who have experienced their ways and the way of God. Because if we know that the way of the Lord is perfect, we can ask ourselves two questions. If I know it, if I receive it by faith, first, am I searching and looking for the face of the Lord to know his way in my life? And the second question is, when I know the Lord's thought concerning his way, am I walking in that way? These are two things. It's one thing to know something. It's another thing to walk in it. And of course, we all fail in many respects, but there must be this desire to walk in the way of the Lord. We could look at the first example in Second Chronicle chapter 18, the second book of Chronicle chapter 18. As for God, his way is perfect, the word of Jehovah is tried. Second Chronicle 18, verse 1. And Jehoshaphat had riches and honor 
in abundance, and he allied himself with Ahab by marriage. And after certain years, he went down to Ahab to Samaria. And Ahab killed sheep and oxen for him in abundance and for the people that were with him and urged him to go up against Ramat Gilead. And Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, wilt thou go with me to Ramat Gilead? And he said to him, I am as thou, and my people as thy people, and I will be with thee in the war. And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, inquire, I pray thee this day, of the word of Jehovah. Then we can read a bit further in verse 16. And the prophet said unto, uh, he said, I saw all Israel scattered upon the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And Jehovah said, these have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell thee that he prophesies no good concerning me but evil? We stop the reading there. I think most of us, most of us are familiar with this passage of scripture. Jehoshaphat, first of all, he allied himself with Ahab, which we could speak for a long moment concerning the perfect way of the Lord. But we skip that. And after, after some time, he went to visit Ahab. And Ahab, you know, he makes a good, great, wonderful, abundant barbecue. They celebrate, everybody is happy. And then he asked him, will you go to war with me? We do not see Jehoshaphat asking the Lord here. Right away he says, of course, I'll go with you. My troops, your troops, you know, we're family. Let's go together. But yet after he made his mind and the words went out of his mouth, he asked for the Lord's, he inquires the Lord for the word of Jehovah. What's the answer? First of all, false prophets come, they say, yeah, go, you will win everything, everything. And then after, it's different. We see that the word of the Lord is given to the prophet of the Lord. And he says, well, King Ahab will be killed. What does Jehoshaphat do with this information. He inquired, maybe a bit too late, to have, to, know, to have the knowledge of the way of the Lord. But unfortunately, he already did put himself in such a situation where he gave his commitment to do something that when he heard that the prophet was saying that the king is going to be killed, I don't know with what kind of heart he went to war. You know, maybe he said, oh, wow. What did I do here? And he didn't have the strength to just say, uh, well, I, I won't go. Finally, I, I changed my mind. It's a good lesson for us. Sometimes when we do things, we commit ourselves to do something without some, many times without looking to the Lord for his way and direction. And then at one point we realize that it might not be the best thing to do in town. Yet, because of what we said, we lose strength to do what is according to the Lord. And we know that Jehoshaphat nearly let his life there. He almost was killed because of his decision to go with Ahab. And when he came back in peace, 
by the grace of God in Jerusalem, a prophet was sent to him to tell him, are you helping the wicked? What's, what's your idea, Jehoshaphat, to do that? So Jehoshaphat here, yes, he inquires to know what is the way of the Lord, the perfect way of the Lord, but he fails to walk in it after. Maybe due to circumstances, and it almost cost him his life. We have another example with Jehoshaphat in chapter 20. We read from verse 1, And it came to pass after this that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them certain of the Maonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. And they came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude comes against thee from beyond the sea, from Syria. And behold, they are in Azazon, Tamar, which is Engedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek Jehovah and proclaim the fast throughout Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of Jehovah, even out of all the cities of Judah. They came to seek Jehovah. And then a bit further, we can read in verse 15. And he said, be attentive. This is the prophet speaking after the prayer of Jehoshaphat. Be attentive, all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou, King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith Jehovah unto you, fear not, nor be dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they come up by the ascent of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the valley before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not have to fight on this occasion. Set yourselves, stand, and see the salvation of Jehovah, who is with you. Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and Jehovah will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before Jehovah, worshiping Jehovah. And we can read further on, verse 21, 22. And he consulted with the people and appointed singers to Jehovah the day after, and those that should praise in holy splendor as they went forth before the armed men and say, give thanks to Jehovah for his long loving kindness endureth forever. And when they began the song, a triumph of triumph and praise, Jehovah set liars in wait against the children of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah and they were smitten. It's very interesting, second example, same king, a different situation. He hears war comes against him. His reaction, fear. We can ask ourselves a question. When we see troubles coming to us, what is our first reaction? Is it confidence? Oh, I can handle that. Is it uh, confidence in our capacities? Maybe confidence in our uh, strength? Confidence in our wealth to solve the situation? Or are we having a holy fear? like Jehoshaphat here. It's always good to have fear, so to speak. I'm not speaking of a real feeling of great fear in our life. It will be not good for health at one point, but to have this fear before troubles and difficulties 
to bring us at the feet of the Lord. And this is exactly what Jehoshaphat does here. And again, he pray. And all Judah comes with him. They pray together. And what a beautiful prayer if you have time to read it. It's beautiful because he's speaking to God concerning his person, his promises, and asking for help and deliverance. Jehoshaphat relied on the Lord on that occasion. And he had a beautiful answer. God, again, has manifested his perfect way. Did he said, take the weapons, do this and do that? No, you'll do nothing. Please bring the singers, you'll, you will not fight, and they will come from that way, just go watch and see. This they do. Maybe he would have said, well, what's the matter? You know, I should, get, I should have a plan B and a plan C and get ready for maybe a plan D. We do that often. We, we know the Lord will help us. We have confidence in him. And then plan B and then uh, plan C, just in case. Jehoshaphat didn't do that. Of course, the army was with them. But when he took counsel, it was with the singers. What a weird guy. When the Lord gives us his word, we should put fear away, have confidence in him, and start the singing of praise to him. And when they do start the singing of praise to God and worship, deliverance came. They were freed from their enemies. So here we have Jehoshaphat. He knows the perfect way of God, and he walks in the perfect way of God. And they took, uh, what's not plundered, uh, when you have war, you have a lot of, you know, money on the floors. The spoil, thank you very much. They took the spoil for three days. There was a lot of blessing because they obeyed and walked in the ways of the Lord. So now when you read a chapter, just imagine all those, this money on the floor, like I said, okay? We have another example. I don't know. I would just cite it in First Samuel, Second Samuel, I think it's chapter 20. No, for second, I have the reference. Second Samuel chapter 5, verse 16 to 25. David, at two occasions, he has war in the same circumstances with the same enemy. He looks to the Lord to know what to do. The first time the Lord says, do this thing. He does, he's delivered. The second time, same circumstance, same enemy, same season of war. He looks to the Lord again, and the Lord says, this time do that. And he does, and he's delivered. It's very beautiful to see this. In that case, it's different from Jehoshaphat here. The Lord asked him to do something according precisely to his instruction. And he does, and he's delivered. So the Lord is giving us his direction for our lives in different situations, and it changes sometimes. Maybe we, David could have said, well, it's the same guy, it's the same month, it's the same problem. We'll do the same as last year. Oh, no, no, it was different for that time. And every battle we face in our spiritual life, we have to look to the Lord because there's never a magic recipe that solves the problem. We need to have the fresh counsels of the Lord every time. So did David and he was blessed. I would like to look to two other examples. The first one, Joseph. We, let's turn in Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. Verse 19 to 21. 
in the context, Jacob died, the brothers of Joseph were afraid that Joseph would somehow get a revenge on them. And then they, they tell to Joseph, yo, you know, dad has said, please forgive them and everything, na, 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 na. Is it true, is it not true? I think it was just, you know, masquerading because their consciences were not quite clear yet. And Joseph answers this to them, verse 19. And Joseph said to them, fear not. Am I then in the place of God? Ye indeed meant evil against me. God meant it for good, in order that he might do as it is this day, to save a great people alive. And now, fear not. I will maintain you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke consolingly to them. The first verse we have read is, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of Jehovah is tried. We've seen with Jehoshaphat and David that the word of Jehovah is tried. The, mold, the, the word, the word, word, in that verse, means not a specific word like a word in a sentence. It means the sayings of Jehovah. What he says is tried. Is it not true? What he said through his prophet, it's Micah the prophet huh, who was speaking to Ahab, happened. What he said to Jehoshaphat happened. What he said to David happened. Whatever God says happens. His word is tried. What he says is tried. It's always true. And his way is perfect. Then we look at the life of Joseph. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, really? And then we can take a look at our life sometimes. Things that are happening in our life. Are the ways of God perfect? Joseph suffered a lot. He was hated by his brethren. He was sold in Egypt. Because he was living righteously, you know, and he was thrown in prison. That's something you don't want. You know today, well, you know, if you follow the Lord, it shouldn't happen to you. Yeah, I'll tell that to Joseph. His ways are perfect. I don't know if he would have read this verse to Joseph at that time. He would have said, yeah, amen. Or maybe yes. I don't know. But when we go through trials, is it our reaction sometimes just to say, yeah, the ways of the Lord are perfect? The ways of the Lord, the, I'm sorry, not the ways throughout, the way of the Lord is always perfect. And we see it with what happened in the life of Joseph. At the end, what is it? Yes, his brothers were against him. Yes, they meant evil. But God had before him something beautiful to do, to save a people. And not only the house of Jacob, but many people in that area during this great famine. The way of the Lord is always perfect, even in our lives. Even when we go through trials, sometimes we do not see why it's happening, why these things are befalling on us. We must keep confidence in God for whatever He do. He is always in control and His way is perfect. We can read a very well-known verse concerning this in Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We read, but we do know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to 
purpose. Whatever God does, His way is perfect. We can look at the great example of the life of our Lord Jesus. And we have seen some of these points this morning during the question and answer period. I would like to read in, ver in Luke chapter 22. Concerning the perfect way of God, Luke chapter 22. Verse 41. The Lord Jesus is praying in the garden of Gethsemane. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone throw. And having knelt down, he prayed, saying, Father, if thou wilt remove this cup from me, but then not my will, but thine be done. And an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in conflict, he prayed more intently, and his sweat became as great drops of blood, falling down upon the earth. Are the way, is the way of God perfect? When we read that, we can ask ourselves a question. In what great suffering the Lord went through? Was, was his way perfect? We can read in Hebrews 12, chapter, uh, verse 2, a verse. We read a couple verses in Hebrews. Hebrews 12, verse 2. <clears throat> we read this. Looking steadfastly, steadfastly on Jesus, the leader and completer of faith, who, in view of the joy lying before him, endured the cross, having despised the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We can read also in chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2, <clears throat> verse 10. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make perfect the leader of their salvation through sufferings. And verse 17, Wherefore it behove him in all things to be made like to his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things relating to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that himself, has suffered being tempted, he is able to help those that are being tempted. We can read in chapter 4, verse 14. Having therefore a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast the confession. For we have not a high priest not able to sympathize with our infirmities, but tempt in all things in like manner sin apart. Let us approach therefore with boldness to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace for a seasonable for seasonable help. And later on chapter 5 verse 16. Well, I'm not 16, it's 6. Evan, as also in another place, he says thou art, I'm sorry, just okay, verse 8. He learned obedience from the things which he suffered. 
and having been perfected, became to all them that obey him author of eternal salvation. So we'll stop there. Where the, was the way of God perfect? It was indeed perfect. Our Lord Jesus was looking forward to the fruit, to the result of what he was doing. And for us today, we can be more than thankful. We can worship our God and Father because we have, because Christ went through these things, we have a merciful, gracious high priest that intercedes for us. He knows what we are going through. And he has us on his heart, like the breastplate we find in the Old Testament. We, he bears us on his heart and also on his shoulder. When there is no strength in us to go on, he bears us on his shoulder. And we have all this in Christ because he went through these things. Yes, the way of God is perfect. I would like to share some practical points now for us. We see that the way of God is perfect. We believe it, that his word is tried, and that we find refuge in him when we follow his word. What about us today? What does that mean practically that the way of God is perfect? I liked the long question, almost the last one we had, about what is manhood according to the Bible. And the question was asking in different fields, personal, family, assembly, work. And I would like to take these four points and bring some verses that are bringing before us the perfect, the perfect way of God. The way of God is perfect. And if we follow the way of God, we will find a refuge in Him. And we will spare ourselves a lot of difficulty. Sometimes we can ask ourselves, well, why should I do this or do that when we read the Bible? Why can I not just do like the others are doing? Well, you can do that if you want, just like Jehoshaphat. Do what you want, and then you'll taste the end of that way too. But when we follow the Lord, sometimes it might bring difficulty with it. But there's much more blessing at the end of the path. We can read first practical points in 1 Timothy chapter 6. There could be, it's a, a notice here, there could be many points to bring. I just want to bring one or two in every category. We could go through the whole scripture to have a fuller understanding of the perfect way of God concerning us. But just a few points quickly. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, we read, in, at, starting at verse 6, But piety with contentment is great gain. For we have brought nothing into the world. It is manifest that neither can we carry anything out. But having sustenance and covering, we will be content with these. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and many unwise and hurtful lusts, which plunge men into destruction and ruin. For the love of money is the root of every evil, which some, having aspired after, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. The, head, the key verse is, but piety with contentment is great gain. This is one of these things in our life personally that are, that is 
the perfect way of God. And when we think about it, it's very much contrary to what we find in this world today. Certainly this world is not looking for piety and contentment. I mean, go out. What's the contrary of piety? It's a... Well, it's very, it's a very bad word. <laughs> but that's it. It's ungodliness. But, you know, you can live your life as you want, like in the world, and do these things which are ungodly, contrary to God. And you can go in this world and not be content. Always, oh, I want this, and I want that, and a new car, and new color, and this, and new... Nah, 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 nah. And it will bring trouble with it also. It always brings trouble. It's clear in the passage we have read. We want to have, find a refuge in God. He tells us, piety, contentment. We must confess, and we can reflect for ourselves individually, that we are much influenced by this world around us. To have this and have that. And, it's, and, and even for the believer, it's normal you know, to, to have a house, and then life goes on, a house, and life goes on, and a house, and then a car, a nice car, two cars, two nice cars. It, it's in our mindset. But this is the way of the world. It's not contentment. I'm not saying that we should forfeit everything. And you know, I'm influenced. Even this comment is influenced. But we have to look to the Lord Jesus. We have to walk piously before God. We have to learn to be content with what we have. If we do so, there is blessing along the path. We will spare ourselves many troubles. The way of God is perfect. It's very interesting, it's a parenthesis. When the Spirit was working a lot in 1830-ish, 50-ish, in this time, there were many believers that were seeing the coming of the Lord and what they were doing. They were selling things they had in their home, luxury and stuff like that, and they were selling it, taking the money for the Lord's work. Who would sell his TV today? I mean, you have no TV, it's okay. Who would sell his cell phone today? You know, you know what I mean? It's just a personal reflection I share with you. We have things, but what, what are these things we need and these things we just enjoy? It's just a reflection. I'm not, not making any judgment. You should see my house too. I have, like, you know. But it's a reflection. Piety and contentment. We have to learn these things. It's the perfect way of God. And then our heart is not attached to the things below but to our coming Lord Jesus Christ. If I want the next best thing down below, my heart is down below. But when I look to the Lord and I learn to be content, I pray for His coming. I desire His person, the perfect way of God. Another example we can look in family, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 18 to 21. This is an example. There are many other scriptures in the New Testament concerning families. But this one. Wives, be subject to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. Husband, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things. For this is well-pleasing in the Lord. Children, are you convinced the way of the Lord is perfect? 
Okay, I should say also husband, wives. Are we convinced the way of the Lord is perfect? It's practical. It's for us. And if we walk in these things, there's a blessing from God. There's a blessing. There's a refuge in Him. He's a shelter for us as we walk in His Word and put it into practice. It's challenging our heart. Fathers, do not vex your children to the end that they be not disheartened. Yeah, fathers, we need to hear that. Huh? How often we... Yeah, okay, continue. Bondmen, obey in all things your masters according to flesh. Be uh, not with eye services as men pleasers, but in simplicity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatsoever ye do, labor at it heartily, as doing it to the Lord and not to men, knowing that the Lord that of the Lord ye shall receive the recompense of the inheritance. Ye serve the Lord Christ. For he that does a wrong shall receive the wrong as he has done. And there is no respect of persons. Master, give to bondmen what is just and fair, knowing that ye also have a master in the heavens. So these verse are speaking at work. What is the perfect way of God? And I just want to make an addendum here. I don't know if it's being heard sometimes here, but from where I'm coming, it's being heard sometime. That a Christian should be like almost the perfect employee, gold and shining, work all many hours, you know, just to be, yeah, yeah, just the best one. It's not what scripture is teaching here. We are serving Christ the Lord. Our energy, our love, our gold should be that. But when we work, it should transpire in our work that we are serving Christ the Lord. The Lord will not ask us to do 25 overtime hours in the week. He will not ask us to do that. This is not what the passage is meaning here. It is not. But when we do work, we should do it as unto the Lord. It means when the bus is not there, you work well. When the bus is there, you work as well with the smile. Okay. It means that. It's faithfulness. This is just what the passage means. It's the perfect way of the Lord. And may we be encouraged by that. And if we have free time and the Lord allows us to have more time available for him, let's put it into use for the Lord's service. He is coming. He is coming. And he has his reward with him. And then in the assembly, I don't know if I will read many verses for the assembly. We can just turn in 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> in fact, I don't know which portion I will read. There's too many. Chapter 5. Um, verse 7. I think we have read that this morning, if my memory is not too wrong. Purge out the old heaven, that ye may be a lump, a new lump, according as ye are unleavened. For also our Passover Christ has been sacrificed, so that let us celebrate the feast, not with old leaven, nor with leaven of malice, malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Another verse in chapter 10, verse 22. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? 
chapter 11, verse 16. But if anyone think to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor the assembly of God. Chapter 14, verse 26. What is it then, brethren? Whenever ye come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, as an interpretation, let all things be done to edification. Verse 36. Did the word of God go out from you? Or did it come to you only? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize the things that I write to you, that it is the Lord's commandment. But if any be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Just these few verses. Uh, they are not connected together. They are from different contexts. But we have many instructions from the Lord concerning even the gathering of ourselves, concerning the assembly. If the way of the Lord is perfect, we can have confidence and assurance that if we gather according to what Scripture teaches us, there will be also the blessing of God. Even if when we compare with what is done around us, yes, but they have this, they have that, and this is cool, this is fun, and you know, it's attire, not attiring, but uh, drawing, attracting. Thank you very much. It's attracting others, you know, the young, the old, and the families. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But is it according to Scripture? I'm completely convinced that if we do according to the scripture there will be the blessing of God also. It's a matter of our hearts. If we come with hearts occupied of the Lord, if we want to exalt the person of Christ in our midst, and if we come to him in prayer with sincerity, with pure hearts, there will be the blessing of God. Because the way of this perfect. We do not need to have extra things. We do not need to bring in things sometimes that we have to be careful with. You know, in the book of Revelation, Pergamos, the world comes inside the assembly. We have to be careful with that. I'm not speaking about technical things. The world, you know, its way of thinking, its way of doing things. And first love, where was first love in Ephesus? These are the real matters. But if we do the things according to Scripture, even in our gatherings, the Lord will bring His blessing with us. The verse we have read again. As for God, His way is perfect. The word of Jehovah is tried. He is a shield to all that trust Him. And if we trust Him in our personal life, in our family life, in our work life, in our assembly life, he will be a shield for us and for our families and for his own. He will, because he promised it. And his way is perfect. And his word is tried. What he says happens, and he's faithful to his word. So may we be encouraged by this simple fact that the word of God is complete, that what God says is what we need and trust him that his way is perfect. Despite our failures, despite our walk,
God is always the same with us. We can look back on each of our lives. It's not always a good thing to do because it's discouraging. If it's confessed, it's, it's done. But when it comes back to our minds sometimes, let us remember the faithfulness of God. His way never changed toward us. What he began in us, he will complete perfectly. We can read the verse in Philippians chapter 1. It's a beautiful verse. This is the way of God. This is what he intends to do, and this is what he will completely do perfectly. Chapter 1, verse 6. Having confidence of this very thing, that he who has begun in you a good work will complete it unto Jesus Christ's day. God will never forsake us. He encourages us despite the fact that we fail sometimes. But for us, the thing is to learn from these things. Sometimes we learn from contrast, from incidents in our lives. We learn, unfortunately, like that. But to realize that despite all these things, the way of God is perfect. And I can go on trusting Him and finding refuge in Him. May the Lord encourage us by his word.